Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. episode of the writer that Gary Kelly's podcast hope you're all enjoying being fans of a Premier League club again in this episode we'll be reviewing the latest in Leeds United's transfer window activity we'll be catching up with ex-Leeds and England goalkeeper Paul Robinson on his time at the club and the ongoing saga with Kiko Casilla and of course we'll be chatting about that epic opening day Anfield this week I'm joined by two Mats and Lucy we're definitely going to have to sort out some nicknames or some code for the Mats I think there's too many of you guys hi everyone Hello. So let's kick off with the opening game against Liverpool at Anfield. I think most fans were just hoping that we turned up and gave it a go, but it's definitely safe to say that we did more than that. We were f- brilliant, weren't we? Even though we conceded four goals, you're still coming out of the game relatively, well, <laughs> say relatively, more than happy. Um, I think quite a lot of people expected us to just sort of turn up and just sort of roll over like the rest of them, but we actually kept, went, went and gave it a good go and if it wasn't for probably a little lapsing concentration from uh, Rodrigo we'd probably come away with a point which I think anyone probably three months ago you'd have snapped their hands off for a point at Anfield but even to just put in a performance like that you it's well sort of made the just sort of relaxed everyone I think before before we get before that Fulham game next week and we we probably get going because it was a bit of a free hit, wasn't it, really? And um, against Liverpool, that we didn't really expect to do do much, but in the end, we were so so, so close to just getting that perfect start and fulfilling everyone's dream. 
Yeah, I can't believe how how well we played. Um, I think going into the game, I was sort of a bit like, well, I'm not really bothered what happens. Um, as long as we don't make a fool of ourselves, um, I'd have been happy with a loss, like a short, like a loss yesterday. Um, but I weren't expecting us to score that many goals. Um, I just thought we were brilliant. Like I was last time we were in the prem, I think, or about seven years old. So like just watching it, I was just in awe. I was like, God, we're playing like Liverpool in the Premier League. Like it, it was just surreal. We just played, just played out our skin. Can we just ignore the fact and just brush over the fact that Lucy was seven years old when we were last in the Premier League? <laughs> Is this a good point for me to uh, point out that I was 17 when we actually won the old first division title? <laughs> So we're getting, we're getting a full uh, we're getting a full sort of um, age where all demographics are fully covered, aren't they? By the sounds of it. I mean, it was a game of great attacking football, but it was a fairly poor defensive display from both sides as well. From a Leeds perspective, we're hopeful that once we've got Cooper back and Cox settled in, we'll be much stronger. Cox probably what trained for three days with us about in total because he sort of came over then went back on international duty and then came back probably the other day so I suspect in training um he probably didn't line up uh, a lot with uh, strike uh, in preparation for the game maybe maybe the day before we don't really know at what point Cooper was was ruled out there was a few, few rumors the night before so it'd be interesting to know how uh, how long uh, cock and strike got together before before um, the game on 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 Saturday, but you'd like you'd like to think when Cooper's back, um, there'll be a bit more a bit more calmness having having a leader back there. Because uh, over the last uh, last year or two, we, you you have noticed when he's not there, and the organisation's a bit all over the shop. I don't know if that's because we we don't we don't have a third centre half. It's not it was normally Berardi who slotted in, but sometimes. Uh, just that, just that little bit of leadership can just set you up, set you in the right way, and it's just you could tell that we missed him a little bit at the weekend. When Cock obviously gave away the penalty, I thought, oh god, here we go. Like you say, when Coops comes back, he's got the experience of working with new players. You've seen him work with Pontus and White in the past. Um, so I think once they get together, I think it could be a really, really dangerous partnership. I, I, I tend to agree. I think we we just had a, a, a lack of leadership, a lack of calmness, uh, really, as did Liverpool, thank God. But um, I think Cooper coming back will be will be good. But I guess I, I would like a few fans. I looked at the uh, the bench. I looked at the the starting eleven, and, and I, I I sort of I still, I'm still getting that sense we're a little bit light. Um, we can't necessarily rely on the kids so much. And I think Strike did a a good job. But he, he was caught out a couple of times. And, and even Cock is, is still quite a young uh, defender. So I'd probably feel happier if they brought in uh, another centre-half. Yeah, I mean, we did concede four goals. But I think aside from the, defend, the defenders, maybe looking at Melia, he did seem to take to the game well. Um, persisted with playing out from the back. made plenty of important clearances, particularly in that last 10 minutes when Liverpool up the intensity are you guys happy with him as our number one for this season or do you think we need someone more senior I think it'd be good to see someone more senior come in but who's happy to probably play second fiddle to him because he's, he'll probably need someone who's I know Casilla is 33 I think 34 but maybe just that little bit extra 
and we don't really know what's going to happen with Casilla, but say he does move on, I think we will definitely need a senior keeper, but I definitely think Melier will be our number one. And like you say, you, you, the last 10 minutes or so when they were throwing the kitchen sink at us, he, he, he was calm. And you can, I don't think for, well, the third goal, was it? For, well, Salah's second goal, he couldn't do anything about that. I don't think any keeper's getting getting, getting the round near that. That was a quality finish and the sort of opposition that we will find ourselves against most weeks. But yeah, overall, really happy with him. And I think it also shows from the Arsenal game back in January that he can he's got that calmness as well. That um, and his distribution is just phenomenal. So it, it'd definitely be our number one for this season, I suspect. Yeah, I thought he played really well um, yesterday. He, he read the game really well, really confident. I know that we con- obviously conceded the four goals, but um, if you look at the Harrison and Bamford goals, he was the one who set them up from the very start. I'm happy with him as his number one. Um, if we were to bring someone else in, I think it'd have to be someone maybe with a bit of Premier League experience, international experience. But um, no, I thought he played really well yesterday. I, I, I'd echo all of those. I mean, the one that stuck out for me was uh, he, he made a save um, from from Vinalden, uh, and I think that was in the second half, which which really was top draw. He, he's um, a great shot stopper. The nervousness you get with Casilla. Um, going on one of his little uh, jaunts out to uh, the uh, the halfway line just isn't there. He, he's he's in command of his area, um, and and he, he need, we needed him to be yesterday with um, a, a pair of centre halves who had never probably played before <laughs> uh, together. Um, De- I mean, I, I see Martinez is probably going to go to Aston Villa. He showed around Villa Park, so that's one option sort of uh, out of the window, but I will probably agree. You, you almost want sort of a, an experienced perennial number two really to come in. Um, and and I, I think it's highly likely, isn't it? Cause he will go. He, he's, he's on a, he's on a big pay packet, even by premier league standards. Um, and you'd not think at that point of his career that he, he possibly would want to be um, number one at the club. So yeah, happy, happy with Meslio's number one. Definitely worth touching on the composure for all three of our goals. Um, Brilliant individual effort from Harrison for the first, calm and collected finish from Bamford for the second, and quite frankly, a ridiculous first touch and finish from Click for the third. It's nice to see us take those chances, right, after how we've been for the last couple of seasons. Maybe we're just giving everyone a chance in the Championship when we were missing all them chances. Just (laughs) Just um, keeping it interesting. Yeah, maybe just to give them a chance of catching us up. But it was... um, well, I'm surprised at us taking such chances, but you, it sort of goes um, two ways, doesn't it? You're happy at how clinical we were the other day, but then I, I'm also one of those, I'm, I'm that type of person who's always like, uh, well, not waste, waste, <laughs> wasting all these uh, clinical, this clinical finishing in a game that we end up losing, but it, if you, I don't know if anyone else is like that, but that's just sort of my thinking, thinking with some of those. I don't know if that's just me worrying, worrying about. I mean, the like, question is, would you, would you rather win or lose by that many, that by that margin, but score that many goals every week, or would you be rather winning one nils, one ones throughout the rest of the season? So keeps it interesting, doesn't it? But we just need to be on the right side of the scoreline. Yeah, I, I, I mean, again, the, the composure of the goals was just brilliant. And if you look at our stats last season, as you other guys have said, this time we had three shots on target and we scored three goals. Um, 
which is stats we could only have dreamed of in, in the championship, of course. Um, just my favourite moment, Bamford uh, picking uh, Van Dyke's pocket. I, I just thought that was superb. Absolutely loved it. Uh, won't get carried away and uh, wonder if uh, Bamford's going to get an England call-up just yet. Um, but I did think that about Harrison. I did wonder. Uh, obviously, we've got our uh, our England boy now, Calvin Phillips. But um, w- when Harrison picked the uh, that ball up from Phillips and put it in the back of the net, you, you, you were thinking, wow, these guys have actually all got better in what has been a very truncated um, close season and pre-season. So hopefully a sign of things to come. And, and, and you, you yeah, I, I'm probably not a purist. I would rather win 5-4 than 1-0. So uh, looking good. Yeah, I was really impressed with us going forward yesterday. I think um, Harrison did a great job. And I think that's the best I've probably seen Costa play. I thought his ball out to click for the goal was just incredible. And I think I was a bit worried when we obviously signed him for that amount. I'm thinking, oh, is he actually really worth that? Um, but I thought he played out of his skin yesterday. I think he were probably my man of the match, I think. Is this where I can plug that I said that Costa and Harrison might take to the uh, Premiership better than the Championship? Are you taking it, credit for them? Is it a bit too Not what this is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Graeme Souness commented on the intensity of the match um, and questioned, I mean, Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank of all people, whether Leeds could keep that up for the rest of the season. Now, we're obviously used to playing like that and the squad have had two years of Bielsa ball now, but the Premier League is a different challenge, isn't it? I think it's a different challenge, but uh, you you do wonder sometimes whether these pundits actually kept a close eye on us last year as much as that as much as they made out going into yesterday's game because even throughout the game they were surprised that we were still hounding Liverpool in their own half up into the what the 80 85th 90th minute but that's just that is how we've played for the last um, two years under Bielsa and it's sort of it's to us who've watched us week in, week out. Obviously, it's not a surprise, but you, you, I think some of it is that some of the pundits just don't, I don't know, necessarily educate themselves, but whether they actually keep that close of an eye on it, it's, um, it's, it's almost like they were even more surprised by us yesterday. Um, I know it was against Liverpool, but as Leeds fans, we all knew how we were going to play in that game, and Bielsa won't play any different, for whether he's playing Liverpool, whether he's playing Palace, whether he's playing against... Hull City on Wednesday in the cup. That's just how that's just how he's got it drilled into those players that they're gonna they're gonna run themselves into the grounds for 90 plus minutes. Uh, 90 plus minute and that's um, just how we play. I just some, but I I do think we'll um, we'll last. There's eight eight less games and I think that might suit us. Just that we'll have we'll, we'll probably play midweek games twice. I think is it or two or three times so I think it'll actually suit with playing playing more in the prem sometimes maybe the intensity of the games might be a bit different but we do have that little rest we have a bit, little bit more rest in between games now yeah I think we're going to be all right um like you said there are less games obviously in the prem and uh, not like like say two midweek games and then like when it comes to cup games we've got the use of the under 23s who we have uh, by the looks of it have signed some strong young lads that can are very capable of playing in them cup games if we do need to rest some of the senior squad. Christmas is always going to be a tough time. Everyone's going to be in the same boat, but I think after yesterday's performance, I think I think we're going to be all right. I'd, I'd probably think, yeah, yeah. Also, we're, we're going to be okay. I mean, the, the real challenges will come, won't they, sort of if and when the inevitable injuries happen. Um, 
I think that's that's always going to be a challenge. And it, and it did. Um, you could argue, you know, did did derailers getting promoted from the championship season before last? And again, it's our options probably um, at the back that concern me most. If you had probably, you know, two injuries, maybe let, let's say, heaven forbid, um, you lost Ailing and Dallas, um, y- y- your options might be limited in terms of someone experienced. And if he then had a series of, of difficult matches against, you know, top four teams, I-, I think you might find yourself in trouble. But I think in terms of the fitness overall, I- I'm not, I think it's uh, it's for the birds really to say that Leeds players can't cope with it. Um, I think we're probably, we looked very, very sharp, I thought, yesterday. Again, to say we had that very, very short pre-season, they looked hungry, um, in, in many ways hungrier than some of the Liverpool squad. I don't see that as a problem at all, no. I, th- I think we are well acclimatised to it, rather, but uh, I think it's more a case of the Premier League keeping up with us, eh? I think the real test will come when we're playing teams such as um, like Palace, for instance, who, I don't know if anyone saw the game just camp themselves sort of in their own half and just sort of hoofed it out to Zaha for 90 minutes but it worked but that, that's the sort of those are the sort of games we struggled with in the championship where teams sat back and sort of let, try, let us play and try and make them um, try and break break other teams down so I think the the questions will get our questions will be answered I think when we sort of play those teams where we're dominating games with 60 to 70 percent possession trying to break down teams who are just happy to sort of just let us have the ball and try and hit us on the counter attack fair point absolutely um there are there are teams who will part the bus even in the premier league who, who's uh who make it their business to survive and stay off rather than shoot for the stars and, and i think you're right i think we, we will probably find it uh, quite hard work to break them down Twitter during the break why don't you head over to the terrace and check out their Leeds United range for all your retro classic and modern day gear I'll tell you what Vic I've got to say I love a good brew in my Tony Ball mug bought on the terracestore.com this week I caught up with former England and Leeds United number one Paul Robinson he chatted to me about his time at the club and what he thinks this season holds for the mighty whites we'll bring you part two of the interview later in the show you joined Leeds obviously at a young age and, and played for the club for six years before we were relegated in 2004 um, and then subsequently left to move to Spurs. I guess at that time, how were you feeling? Because you were still a young player um, and obviously must have been difficult seeing Leeds get relegated, but also the positivity of you being able to stay in the Premier League yourself with a big club like Spurs. Yeah, it was a really strange time. Obviously, very disappointing time for me. Um, probably one of the toughest times during my career. Um, as you say, I was so young um, and would experience the highs of the Champions League. Um and, you know, we, we finished top two, three in the league, challenging for the title sometimes, and then to be relegated. Um, but at the time, seeing the financial situation and the off-field stuff unravel as well. Um, for me personally, I, I stayed till the end. Um, as such, if you like me, Alan Smith, um, Aaron Lennon, Mark Viduka really were the last ones kind of pu- pushed out the door. Um, but obviously, say I was at the club for a long time. I was there from 13 and I left when I was 23. So it's a, it's a club that's been very close to my heart for a, a long time. And I owe my football career to Leeds United. My, my grounding and my apprenticeship was, was done in the academy. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't, wouldn't have been a professional footballer. 
And to this day, it's still a club that's close to me. I mean, my boy's in the academy there and I'm there three nights a week. Um, but for me, moving to Spurs, it was a difficult time, um, obviously for Leeds. They, they actually sold me to Spurs in the January of that year. The deal was, I, was, I went down to White Hart Lane, had my medical agreed terms and everything. And the deal was that I'd be loaned back to Leeds for the rest of the season. But the, the actual the problems at Leeds, nobody had realised that they had too many players already on loan, so I couldn't go back on loan. So I ended up going back uh, just as a permanent player because they couldn't afford to, to let me go at that point in the season. Um, and, you know, it was, it was but the season before that, I, David O'Leary tried to take me to Aston Villa and I, I made the decision to stay with my team as such in the Premier League, if you like. Um, so I was so of, of the fire sale, I was one of the last ones out the door. I mean, given all of that um, controversy and obviously everything that was going on behind closed doors at the time, a lot of people say they're surprised that it's taken Leeds 16 years to get back to the Premier League. But in some respect, can you understand why it's taken that amount of time to rebuild? Well, it's taken a long time. But I mean, I don't me like everyone, you couldn't foresee what was going to happen in the future of Leeds United once they got relegated. It was a case of, right, OK, let's take stock and hopefully get, get back up into the Premier League. Leeds United at that time were never even thought of as a championship club. Never mind a club that would end up playing in the third tier of English football, which, I mean, it's, it's mind-blowing. I've, I've said before, I said, you know, I'm very, very proud to wear that shirt. There's a, a lot of good players that have come through that club. Some world-class players, some of the best players in English football have played for that club. And then you look at some of the managers that have managed the club in, you know, in the in the bad times in, the, in League Two and League One and the Championship. You look at the players and managers that have represented that club and you just wouldn't associate those type of names with Leeds United. There's a lot of players and managers that have been very, very fortunate to be associated with that club and it's just finally nice to see them back where they belong. You played alongside Nigel Martin, obviously, for a number of years at the beginning of your career. Was that relationship and watching him play a big part of your development as a player? Yeah, it's, I've got a great relationship with him, even to this day. He lives down the road. We play on the same cricket team and I have a beer with him every Saturday. Um, it's a great relationship we have. Um, I went from cleaning his boots to taking his place. But as I say, I still see him every week and we're, we're still the best of friends. Um, and as a mentor growing up as a kid, I couldn't have asked for anybody better. Um, subconsciously, you learn from these players without realising you're doing it. You see their habits off the field, even the, just the daft stuff, like you see the way he washes his gloves or the way he looks after his kit or his boots and the way he trains, the way he applies himself. You might not think, oh, I'm going to watch Nigel today, but you're constantly soaking it in on a daily basis and you're constantly learning. And for a mentor on the field and off the field, as I say, I couldn't have had anybody better. Talk to me. I mean, you probably get asked about this in every interview that you do, but talk to me about that that League Cup game against Swindon, season 2003-2004. I would imagine it's something that's stuck in the memory, obviously, your first professional goal, um, penalty save, which saw Leeds progress the next round. That, that has to be one of the highlights, surely, of um, a long career. Yeah, it's a, it's a Roy of the Rovers moment. All as goalkeepers are frustrated centre-forwards. We, we shoot against each <laughs> other in training and we try and score goals against each other. When, when there's crossing, we, we try and score headers against one another. And I've, I've, I've never been any different to any of the goalkeepers. I mean, I went up there for the first corner and the lads played it short, I think, and it went out for another corner. I just looked back and thought, I'm not running all the way back there. And I've ended up getting on the end of the, the, the corner. And it was just, honestly, it's a moment that I'll never forget. Scoring a goal in front of the cop. Um, you know, I scored another one for Spurs, but it, that was a fluke. It was a long kick down the <laughs> field and it went in. The Leeds goal, is, I mean, it's, it was so special to me. And as I say, it, you can only describe it as like a Roy the Rovers moment, scoring scoring the equaliser in injury time and then saving the penalties for us to win it. And it was at a very difficult time at that stage. Peter Reid had come in. 
um, and, and the club was struggling. Um, and if we'd have been beaten by lowly Swindon at the time, it would have been a real blow for us. So last time we touched on our signings so far, which at the time were very much focused on either extending loans or bringing in talent for the youth team. We've heavily invested in the youth team, which is a clear indication of this long-term plan we chatted about. Since then, we've spent a fortune, wisely, hopefully, and brought in some international talent. So let's chat about Rodrigo to start off with. How do we see him fitting into the team and that Bielsa formation? Is it a case of him or Bamford, like we saw at Liverpool, or do you think there's a way that we can play them together? Well, I thought the the, the fact that he replaced Bamford might actually be a sign of, well, not a sign of things to come, but might be where we see him playing down the middle. Um up front by himself with um, someone in the 10 uh, behind him, whether that's Pablo or it looks like we're not giving in on Rodrigo de Paul just yet. But uh, but I suspect we will probably see us move for someone uh, who's going to fill in that role for Pablo because I can't see him um, start. He's not going to be able to start 38 games. Otherwise, we'll, he'll, he'll be on his knees halfway, halfway through the season, I think. But... And 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 we'll be very wise to use him as a as an impact sort of moving forward. So I think I think we'll probably see Rodrigo more down the middle, um, up front on his own, going. For, but you never know. Bielsa might be working on a way of of using him using him instead of Costa sometimes down the right or in behind uh, in behind Bamford. I think that just time will tell. But I think I, I, I think the uh, substitution yesterday sort of might have given a little bit away of what Bielsa's thinking. Yeah, I think it's a tough one, really, because um, obviously we want in the goals. Obviously, Bamford got his goal yesterday, and Rodrigo is no doubt going to bring the goals with, with his 35 in, for Valencia and 8 for Spain. But it'd be great to see them play together, because I absolutely love Bamford's work rate. He's just He just works so hard, and he deserves to be in that, in that starting 11. So if there was a way that you could play both, I think that'd be great, but... I guess it's just a case to see who else we can bring in and, like you say, see what Bielsa's plan is going forward. I think I think I'd, I'd very much like to see them play together. They both are, are different types of strikers. I mean, if you look at um, what the footage we've probably all seen on YouTube of Rodrigo at his best, he takes players on. He, he's he's got great feet, to use that old term. Bamford is is, is probably much more like a Bergkamp. Um, type striker, you know, he 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 does have a decent first touch. He seems he seems to have. Uh, ho- hopefully that will continue, but he seems to rely very much on that more so than uh, his ability to get past people. Uh, be, it will be great to see them play together. But we we know Bielsa. He's um, he, he's kind of <laughs> he's he's a man who's really not for changing. Chances are he will continue playing one striker, <laughs> no matter what formation he goes for. I, I would say, but it. Um, It'll be interesting to see if he changes his mind in, on that one uh, as the uh, season progresses. On to Robin Cock then. He was rumoured from day one to be our backup to Ben White. And in all honesty, I'm not personally that disappointed at how it's played out. I think um, we could have ended up spending a fortune on Ben. And as much as I'd have liked him to stay, I'm not quite sure he's at that valuation just yet. What are you guys expecting to see from Robin this season? Obviously, not based on yesterday's performance because he's still very new and as we've mentioned he's not had much time with the squad yet but how how do you think he's going to perform for the rest of the season um i i, I would like to think that uh that 
I'm really, I'm really hoping that a German pundit comes out and said no. He's, he's actually properly pronounced Kirch in German, but uh, we'll, 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 we'll call him Cock for now. Uh, <laughs> so over a Yorkshire or indeed a Birmingham accent, does it? But uh, I hope he, um, he, he, do, he does. I, I think he will get over what happened. Yes, it was a baptism of fire for him. He was impeded um, quite, quite badly, and, and, and I'm surprised nobody picked it up for Van Dyke's goal. Um, he, he, he clearly had the ball cannon off his leg and onto his arm. And he's desperately trying to pull it away. So not the start he would want, but th- there were moments where he, he showed, re- re- as you'd expect from a German international, really good composure and, and a good ability to pass it out from the back quite a few times, which, which I think sort of detracts from those those moments which you'd expect from a team like Liverpool. Great signing. And I think, as you say, Vicky, he... He is a full international. To say he costs thirty million pounds in Brighton without waiting for what? You could see the dial going forty, fifty, sixty million. Oh, go and make it sixty-five for somebody who's who's not got any international caps. For somebody who has had very little experience, if any, um, in in the Premier League away from the reserve league. So I think um, Robin is a good signing for us, and uh, I've I've got high hopes for him from what I've seen. Are we just going to go with Robin then? Is that all we're going to? Is that safer? <laughs> just, just so we're not giggling. I just can't. I'm so just so juvenile. I can't keep saying cock um, again and again and again without it becoming a you know amusing to me. Sorry. <laughs> I think one thing I um, will say is is that as like we were saying with him is German international. I do think Brighton have played a very dangerous game in keeping white in the fact that. I, I, I'm still adamant, and quite a lot of people that I, I know are adamant that we could very much pick him up for a bargain price next season if if we wanted to. Um, so we'll see how the season unfolds. But I, you sort of hope after how it's all played out that as much as as much as Robin could be a very <laughs> a very good signing, we might still end up signing White in the long term um, next season when when Brighton hopefully inevitably take the drop back to the championship and we snap him up for a hopefully close to something like we got got for Robin. Well there are suggestions that Bielsa may be convinced to bring in another central defender whether that's in this window or whether it is next season and it is Ben White in the end but we're also on the lookout for a number 10 type of player Rodrigo de Paul is the one who's at the top of our list currently. Do you agree that we still need a couple of additions and are those two positions where you think we should be focusing? I'd say that we we definitely need um, need a ten or someone who's going to play um, in Pablo's Pablo's role because like we like, like we've touched on today and we've touched on um, on the last podcast is that he's not going to be as much as we hate to admit it he's not going to be able to last 38 games at the high intensity that we play uh, especially in especially in probably the, the most demanding top league in the world. So we definitely need someone, I think, with with the quality that that uh, Pablo brings, but with probably a little bit of pace. It's just a shame that we, we don't have the Pablo Hernandez of probably 25-year-old sitting in there behind Bamford, but but we love him to bits. But I, I would definitely say, definitely say that we, we, we do need a number 10 just just to probably help, help, help uh, Pablo out. I, I, I'd agree. I think... Um... 
probably out of and, and I, I say this obviously heavily caveated um, and, and not wishing to sort of do down any of our, our current players but uh, I think Pablo probably didn't have his, his greatest game yesterday uh, I think he is uh, obviously a fantastic player in, in many ways head and shoulders above the current squad uh, in, in terms of what you can bring to the side we need that vital support role obviously for the strikers Pablo at, at 35 is going to have days where he's tired <laughs> quite frankly I'm, I'm 46 and I can probably manage uh, probably a one day a week where anything energetic happens so uh, God alone how he's, he's done that but uh, I think we um, we do need a number 10 or we need somebody uh, a, a wide player and with the names mentioned aren't they uh, Harry Wilson um, is still very much on the cards a player that uh, Bielsa's been after for quite some time Ryan Kent um, albeit um, his most of experiences has been up in the Scottish Premier League which I, I, I I'm not really I'm probably going to upset some people by saying this obviously if you have any Scottish listeners I, I, I apologise I, I don't really feel it's the uh, the same standard as maybe what Wilson was playing at Bournemouth Rodrigo de Paul um, would be the, the one we'd all sort of uh, jump for joy if we got Argentine international box to box player just you know would fit in in so many places which Bielsa really really likes so I think it's an, an area we need to recruit in absolutely I don't think we can rely on uh, Pablo I don't think we have possibly enough depth albeit um, I, I think Shackleton is a superb player but I don't think we can rely on, on Pablo and or um, Jamie Shackleton for the whole season I think that will be a bit uh, too much of a risk. Yeah I think I'd probably echo what both you guys have said we'd love to see Pablo go on and on and on for years and years but there is going to be a time where he's going to have to obviously hang up the boots so yeah someone for that Pablo role I think he's like you said I didn't think he had the best of games yesterday but it's Pablo at the end of the day I think I love him when he comes on as a sort of super sub I loved that last season so yeah definitely someone in that role who can Help him out, because obviously he's getting on a bit now, bless him. Hi, I'm Don Matteo. There's nothing more than I like doing when I'm sat in the rock bar, listening and writing to the GaryKelly.com. Right in the gallery. Right in the gallery. <laughs> you can edit that, can't you? <laughs> Hi, I'm Don Matteo, and when I'm sat in the rock bar having a pint, there's nothing better than reading and listening to write in the GaryKelly.com. Now it's time to hear from Paul Robinson again, and this time we talked about the current Leeds United team, and in particular, Melier and Cassia. You can listen to the full interview with Paul Robinson now on writingthegarrykellys.com. So looking forward at the um, current Leeds United squad, it looks as though the young Ilian Melier is going to be Leeds' number one keeper this season. Um, you were a similar age when you started making those first team appearances. Have you seen much of him? What's your opinion on how he's going to fare in the Premier League this season? I think he settled really well when he came in. I think Kiko's form was up and down last season, making too many mistakes and costing the team games. And when Mezier came in, I thought he, he, he looked nervy to start with, as, as you would as a young goalkeeper. Seen him a couple of times in the under-23, and his dis- distribution is one of the strongest parts of his game with his feet. And he didn't show that in the early games because he, he looked nervy, he looked edgy. Saw him play away at Hull and he was kicking the ball into touch when you could see the passes that he was trying to make, but he wasn't quite getting there. But the biggest compliment you can pay him is he's grown, he's got better, he looks confident, he looks comfortable and he looks secure. There was no problem between him, between then and when he came in at the end of the season, when he took Kiko's place. And I think the manager made the right call when he he left him in at the end of the season. As to what he'll do at the start of next season, I don't know whether Kiko is going to be around, whether he's not. 
there's talk that he may leave. If he does leave, they definitely need uh, another goalkeeper. You can't just go with, with the one recognised number one. Even if he stays, I, I still think they need another goalkeeper. You look at um, the way that Joe Hart's just gone to Tottenham. You look at Rob Green at Chelsea. You look at Scott Carson at Man City. They generally have an older, experienced, OK, Englishman to tick a box in the squad. But I think if you look at the two goalkeepers that we've got, you, you'd need to add a, a third uh, very experienced one to, to the group because Kiko, you can't rely on him 100% week in and week out. Amelier, he's, he's very new to the team and there's potential that his form may dip. If that's the case, to have some kind of stability as a, as a, a two or three would be a very good addition in my opinion. I mean, you've touched on Kiko there. Obviously, the, the saga continues. If you like, the club have been quite quiet on it. Um, it's been reported that while he's not on the transfer list, they are open to listening to offers should they come in. What's your take on the situation, I guess, both as someone that's close to the club, but also as an outsider looking in about how it's all been handled so far? I think he's been a very lucky boy to keep his job, to be honest, if he was found guilty of what he was accused of. Um, I think his, his punishment was far too light. Um, there's no space for that in, in the world, never mind in football. And I think that the fines and bans for racism uh, are nowhere near what they should be. Um, we've seen players get bans for, for betting offences that are more than, than, than racism, which, you know, it's, it's just un- completely unacceptable. There, there is a big stand on, on it now and through, throughout the world. And it's something that we are we, we're actively trying to eradicate and make people aware of. And, and I think we're getting there. But um, when you go back to Kiko, he got his eight-game ban, and you know the the club kind of they they stuck by him, if you like, and and left him, you know, at, in his employment when they could quite easily have turned around and terminate his contract. So it may be a situation this summer that works for for both parties if he moves on. Looking at the um, talent that there are in in Europe, in particular at the moment, are there any particular attributes you think make a world-class goalkeeper? Now we've got. Edison, for example, who is renowned for being good with his feet. We've got Neuer, who's a sweeper keeper, if you like. Do you think that role has evolved a little bit since you started playing? Oh, without a doubt, yeah. I mean, when I first started playing, you put the ball on the six-yard line and kicked it as far as you can. Um, <laughs> and that was that was a job as a goalkeeper. But in the time that I was in the game, it hugely evolved. And, you know, I, I did OK because I could, I could play and I could, I could my distribution was decent from the back. But the game has changed. It has evolved. evolved sorry. And goalkeepers are asked to do a lot more. You look at the way Edison plays, like you say, at Manchester City. He's, his passing range and his, his, his ability with his feet were unbelievable. If they'd have won the league um, by a, a number of points, I'd have loved to have seen Pep Guardiola play him centre midfield and give him a go. He's that good. Um, but the role has changed, massively changed. And we've seen the, the likes of Hugo Lloris at Spurs sometimes struggle with it, you know, what the manager asked him to do. Um but the, the biggest impact you can have for the benchmark for any goalkeeper at the moment is Alisson at Liverpool. You see the impact that he's had on the team. They, they had two decent keepers um, in Mignolet and Carrius, but neither were top-class goalkeepers. But you see the impact that a top-class goalkeeper and a top-class centre-half and Van Dijk can have on a team. And that's how important it is. I think he's, he's been outstanding this season, Alisson. He's been the best in Europe for me. Really good to hear from a player that was in the thick of it the last time we were in the Premier League. Um, obviously, still a lot of love for the club, which is nice. Do you think Paul's right about his comments on Kiko? Is he lucky to still be part of this team? I I think I think he's very very lucky. Um, without sort of wishing to sort of indemnify myself in any way or get into a legal battle, um, what he went through um, last season. 
on what's of course a very very hot topic now and, and rightly so um i think it makes his position even harder uh, makes it even less tenable um and it's one of these things that, that maybe he needs to um have a new start um in other ways you know you, you kind of you know maybe thinking with with uh, with kiko that uh, he's decided to face it out you know he's going to win his his uh, his reputation back um he's going to come good um and he's and he's, st- and he's sticking at it so in that respect m- maybe that you know we, we can have some admiration for him but obviously um given what's um what's happened personally you know i and i think a, a lot of other fans would find it quite um quite hard to forgive on the playing side if we are going to move away from anything too too um, much more controversial on the playing side i've never really rated him I, I think he's a little bit of a liability and even if the stuff that happened with uh, Jonathan Leco hadn't happened I still think we should have been looking for another keeper so I am very much in uh, in Robbo's camp on that I think he, he's extremely lucky to be there still yeah I'd just, I'd just echo what Matt, Matt said there that from a, regardless of the of what happened um last September from a playing point of view and if you're just purely looking at that yeah then he's yeah he's, he's, he's I don't think he's good enough is he like you can't trust him so if Mes- if Melier was to get to pick up a long term injury I don't think he would be filled with great confidence that Casir would be able to churn out 20, 20 plus great performances until until the end of the season so I think that's where what you what you've got to look at is just that if he, if he had to come into the side for a long period of time would we be happy and I don't think we would so. Regardless of what happened happened before, I think he's he's, he's extremely lucky to just to, to still be a Leeds United player, to be honest. And I think the alarm bells probably were there even even before last season started after the um, after the playoff game. And some some of his decision making um, at the end of Bielsa's first season, I, I just don't think it's it's just not been one of those transfers that has worked out. Despite on paper looking like we picked uh, with. We'd um, sent a message message to everyone that we were signing players of his calibre. It's just, it's just not. I just don't think it's worked out, and I just don't think he's. I don't know. I just don't think he's he's, he's up for the fight, really. Yeah, I think I have to agree with um, what both you have, uh, you two have said. He makes me well when he was playing for us. He made me very very nervous. Uh, unlike uh, Melier, I think the both totally different opposites and I'm I'm still actually quite surprised that Kiko is still there like when we're watching the celebrations of the trophy lift and stuff he was there in the background not really getting involved so yeah I am quite surprised he's still there. Hi I'm Paul Robinson and when I'm not out on the golf course I'm listening to right in the Gary Kelly's.com. So we thought it'd be nice to focus a section of the podcast on the thoughts feelings and questions of our social media followers. This week we're asking you for your comments on the Liverpool match First up, it's the Scratching Shed, that's at T-S-S-L-U-F-C, who said, so much better than expected. Yeah, I'm disappointed we didn't take anything from the game. Awful decision for the first penalty and a couple of errors cost us. But to run arguably the best team in the world right now, that close, bodes well for our chances. Luke Williamson at LTW0303 thought the team played incredibly. My only criticism would be Leeds did not look comfortable in their own box. That's where the loss of Cooper's calming influence and direction in the defensive box was missed. Richard C at Rich, A.S. Rich, 
On reflection, I feel a bit gutted we didn't win that game. If we carry on with that standard, we're going to have a great season. And finally, Ian Hartley, who's at Ian Hart Key, <laughs> 1963, very confusing. Two words, no penalty. The lads just didn't deserve that, even though player for player, they were obviously a Premier team gutted. What do you guys think about some of those comments? I think, I think they're all they're all universally positive. Um, in, in, it's, it's one of these these strange things, isn't it? It's the, the, I hope everyone would agree, but I, I sort of um, tucked into my post-match beers last night, and probably too many of them, uh, but uh, almost feeling like the same one I felt after after winning a game, um, even though obviously we didn't. And, and I think people have picked up on, on on some sort of fairly similar themes that you know we've gone toe to toe with, the, you know, one of the best teams in Europe and. Uh, you know, at least should have had a draw. They both, put, you know, a couple of them pointed out the, uh, the rather dubious uh, penalty decision, and um, they seem to uh, be able to escape bad refereeing decisions, um, even over the Premier League. But uh, it's nice to see responses like that on on social media. You, you will get the the the, um, the odd ones of decrying the performance and having a pop up pop at the players. But um, I, I hope generally the the atmosphere stays very positive and, uh, and we don't start sort of going after individual errors and I, and I, I so yeah I'm absolutely on board with the things that they've said there. I think a lot of what, uh, what they've said is what, what we've echoed in in, in in this podcast but I think the, the the word that was was going around last night was gutted and that's exactly that's exactly how you felt really especially when, when that penalty given I think you saw a few tweets um straight away that you saw you you just felt like your heart had sunk hadn't you when you, you saw the effort that they put in up for what was it 80 87 minutes i think when when it was given and you, you just you, your heart went for as, as a supporter and your heart also went because of because of the players because you just knew that they'd given everything there to take possibly one of the best teams in europe right to the death and to not get anything from it was it was it was gut-wrenching really and i think we, I think we tweeted a few things on uh, similar line yesterday that I think the ultimate feeling was just just gutting for them before you then started to think that just before you started to reflect on it properly and say like oh we've we've done well here but the initial feeling was that we absolutely gutted yesterday with it full time. Yeah, it was definitely yeah an emotional roller coaster for sure. Especially when we got given away that penalty in the first what four minutes of the game, you think oh god here we go thinking that we're going to get absolutely just smashed to bits but the boys played the absolute hearts on the sleeves and the penalty that was that did obviously happen in the first five minutes of the game I'm sure there was something similar in the West Ham Newcastle game yes where I saw the ball struck just a, an arm that was in a neutral position and they didn't give it as a penalty so I was very confused about that but um yeah, everything that the in the comments on social media, every everyone were gutted, but everyone was so so positive at the same time, which is really good to see. Yeah, I think if we're gutted coming out of an opening fixture at Anfield, you know the team have done pretty decent the day before. <laughs> so that's everything for this week. We've started the season with defeat at Anfield, but there are plenty of positives to be taken from that performance. If we can play like that against the reigning champions, I think the rest of the league probably just started to take us seriously. Thanks so much for joining us wherever you are in the world. Make sure you follow us on the socials at RITGK and let us know what you thought about this week's podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Speak to you then.
Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.